Well, we're uh, getting along in Galatians and <clears throat> to the part about living by the Spirit or walking in the Spirit. If you would please take your Bibles and turn to Galatians 5. And that's <clears throat> going to be our area of concentration today. I'll tell you which verse in a minute. I was thinking about uh, Galatians yesterday. And I had this thought come to mind. If you want to really understand Galatians, you better read Romans. And if you uh, want to understand Romans, you better start with Galatians. <laughs> okay, so they're very similar. And uh, they both have a lot to do with living the Christian life, walking in the Spirit. And so <clears throat> I'm going to read Galatians 5, 16. I'm going to read to the end of, the, of that chapter, but I'm only going to talk about the first several verses, but at all you need to kind of know where it's going so you know where it's starting. So I say, my uh, Bible translation is a New International Version. You may have others, <clears throat> but they'll all say about the same thing. So I say, live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality and witchcraft. Uh, excuse me, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live in the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Amen. It's a lot. Okay, like I said what I'm mainly going to talk about is <clears throat> what it means to walk in the Spirit. So actually just the first few verses. <clears throat> Once a person is born again, and we can use the synonyms to born again, once you're regenerated, once you have received eternal life, once you've been saved, all these things, meaning the same thing, we become aware of a great war going on on the inside of us. The battleground is 99% of the time in the mind. Everybody familiar with that battle going on? All right. Uh, in Romans 12, for example, talks about the need for us to have our minds renewed, to make new again, to think differently about life. Once you are saved, slash regenerated, slash born again, the Holy Spirit starts a lifelong process where your new spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, learns to take charge of your soul 
and we usually talk about the soul as the mind, your will, your emotions, the seat of your logic and reasoning powers is part of your soul. And so the Holy Spirit begins to change all that to where you become a new kind of thinker that you didn't think like you are now some years before you met Christ. Okay, ultimately, after your spirit has changed and your mind and your thinking and your logic and your emotions have changed, obviously your body changes. Okay? So <clears throat> the idea of the Christian life is your body should become your servant, not your master. Okay? And that's the subject that he's talking about. We are being transformed into the image of Christ. God's on the throne of my heart, but there's also a battle going on for that throne. Okay? My old sin nature seems to have a momentum. I get saved, and just the, the power of the momentum of, being, of living in the kingdom of darkness, of thinking evil thoughts, of being selfish, of being proud, all the things that we just read that are products of the old sinful nature. Now, it's interesting because even though my old sinful nature has a momentum and wants to carry on in me the same lifestyle that I lived before, there's a new creation also that is trying to transform me into the image of Christ. Amen? It's going on on the inside of each one of us. And it is a lifetime process. One of my favorite verses in 1 John 3. Um, now we are the sons of God, but it does not yet appear what we shall be. Okay? So when we say, I am saved, and when we talk about being part of uh, the salvation experience, what we're really saying is, I was saved, I am saved, and I'm yet being saved. Okay? We think in, in tense, in time, particularly in English, we think of everything as either past, present, or future. Now, there are languages like, <clears throat> you know, the ancient languages that had a, a sense of all of those at the same time. You were saved. Think about it for a minute. You were saved. You are saved. And you are yet being saved. It's not over yet. You're just, you're just in a walk. All right. Now, it's interesting that it's called the walk in the spirit, not the run in the spirit. Okay. Because when you try to run, you'll fall down. Okay. So we are learning. It is a learning process. You should be further along now than you were a year ago. All right. Hopefully you will be further along and understand more things about the nature of God, Christ, what it means to be Christ-like, being transformed into the image of Christ. More a month from now, a week from now, a year from now. It is a process, but it's going on. And the prescription from God is walk in the Spirit. Now, walking is an action word. Okay? I'm, I'm walking right now. Now I'm not walking. I'm standing. I think about all these things that Scripture uses to describe spiritual things. Walking in the spirit implies moving. It's changing where you are. I'm not here anymore. I'm over here. All right? I am moving. It is an action. It is an active process. 
Okay, like I heard somebody say one time, that too many Christians are saved and satisfied instead of saved and sanctified. Okay? Now, the idea is, yes, I was saved back 5, 10, 20 years ago. I'm still saved, and I'm going to experience more salvation tomorrow and the next day. All the way to the end until death somehow, and then whammo. All right? I'm in the presence of God. All right? Okay, so, now think about this. As far as God is concerned, what we call the flesh or the old man or the sinful nature is dead as far as God's concerned. Now, this is where things begin to get hard to understand in Galatians and Romans both. If it's dead, how come it's so much alive on the inside of me now? All right? Anybody ever wonder that? Yeah, why is it, you know, if it's, if it's over and done with, how come, it must have gotten resurrected too, all right? So, however, what we are to learn as we walk in the Spirit is there is more power on the inside of us to live out of the, and to live like Christ-like, out of the power of the Spirit within us, than all of the power, combined power of the sinful nature, the world, and the devil to keep it from happening. That's why we walk in the Spirit. That's why we learn to rely on the Spirit of Christ in each and every step, each and every decision, so on in life. Now, let's see here. If you have a King James Bible, you'll find out that uh, what I'm talking about when I talk about the sinful condition is translated the flesh, all right? Okay, so now I'm going to be bold enough to suggest that that's not a very good translation for what the word flesh means in modern times, all right? And here's why. For years, I thought when it talked about the flesh being evil that it meant that my body was evil. Anybody ever think that? There's a lot of people that have, and it, and it just... You're not going to end up with an understanding of what God's trying to tell us about the walk in the Spirit if you think you're physical, it's evil to have a physical body. God created everything and said it's very good. Your body is a creation of God. However, when it talks about the flesh, more than modern English translations translate that the sinful condition or the selfish nature. All right? There's something on the inside of me that's not just, you know, not just flesh, not just skin and arms and legs and stuff like that. There's something deep down on the inside of me that wants me to be a certain way. Right? Very deep. Okay? Now, the spirit, the spirit of man is hard to define. It's, the spirit is who you are. Okay? You're either in God or not in God. You're either in light or you're in darkness. Your soul being your will, your mind, your thought processes, your emotions. There's something competing for control of that on the inside. So, the physical body is not evil in itself, for God called all of his creation good. If your body had a disease, then that disease is something that's attacking your body. But the disease is not particularly your body. Does that make sense? Okay, think about it like this. If I were 
coughing and sneezing and hacking and blowing my nose every 30 seconds up here, I might say, I have a cold. I would not say, excuse me, I am a cold. Okay? Now, you have a sinful nature that's been following you around even though you got saved, but you are not that sinful nature anymore, although it would like to persuade you to believe that you are. All right? Okay? Now, on the other side, we have scripture that tells us we are righteous in Christ. Okay? He who knew no sin was made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now we are the children of God. But we're not yet what we shall be. But right now we are the children of God. We talked about the word justice a while ago. Justice... In the word righteousness in Romans are the same, same Greek word. You are now right with God. That's what it means. Now, I played a trick on you a couple of weeks ago when I said, how many of you are righteous in here? I love to do this. And, uh, you know, how many of you are righteous? Well, a lot of you raised hand. Some, some of you didn't. All right? Because we think of righteousness and holiness as the same thing. They're not. Holiness is something that we think of from an outer standpoint. Well, this is a holy person. His behavior, his action is is so, so godly and so perfect. Okay? Just because you are righteous does not mean that you are in a state of legalistic perfection. Okay? You are right with God because Jesus imparted his righteousness to you through your faith. It's part of the guarantee of salvation, okay? So on the inside of you, you're right with God because your spirit has been changed. It's been transformed, translated. And now you are in the process of learning to walk and live out of that new life rather than just stay the same as you were. Now, is this making sense? Now, even if this is stuff you've heard before, Repetition is good. And the reason it's good is because your flesh, the world, and the devil doesn't give up trying to convince you otherwise. <laughs> okay? So you can feel, you can, you can absorb this, feel good on the way home, and once you get home, it's all gone. Anybody ever notice that? I remember I, I had a job one time. There were some, some Christians on the job, and on Monday morning I used to walk around and say, Hey, what, what was your sermon about yesterday at church? Hardly ever would anybody remember what it, <laughs> what it was. Not even 24 hours later. And so, now Paul carefully explains to us, and this is one of the things that, that he spends so much time in Galatians, the purpose of law. You know, the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots. All right? They have a purpose Paul carefully explains that the purpose of the law has a part in the salvation process. It is a tutor, a teacher, to bring you to Christ. Okay? That's the purpose of the law. The law is righteous and perfect, but we're not, and the law cannot make us right with God. Take something else. So the law, and let's play, uh, 
one of my other favorite game called the elephant game. Some of you have heard this before. Uh, but if you have, uh, just play along. Okay, this is about, this is a demonstration of how your body responds to law. Okay, everybody close their eyes. I promise, promise this won't hurt a bit. Everybody close your eyes. Okay, now, get your mind cleared out. Okay, now I'm going to give you a command. All right, here it is. Whatever you do, do not think of elephants. Okay, keep your eyes shut. Do not think of elephants. You know those big animals, those great, you know, they're in Africa and in, in India. You see them on TV sometimes. They've got a long trend. Don't think about those things. They've got big legs, big round, four big round legs. But don't think about those things, okay? Now, open your eyes. Okay, be honest. How many of you thought about an elephant? Raise your hand. Saw a picture in your mind. But I said don't do that. Okay? The law says, don't do this. That's the nature of law. It gives a command. Okay? But what happens on the inside when somebody tells me, don't do this? Somebody, well, don't tell me what to do. I'll do what I darn well good and, pre good and please. Okay? All right? How many of you can remember a time when, as a child, you lied to your parents about something? Okay, probably all of us could. Uh, some, I heard somebody, I heard somebody. Uh oh, what's going on back here? Okay, some, somebody's perfect back there. They didn't raise their hand. Well, <laughs> it's like I heard some guy say one time, okay, how many of you had a guilty conscience? Some of them raised their hand, some of them didn't. says, okay, the ones that didn't raise your hand, you're going to get one for lying. <laughs> okay, remember the first time you lied. Okay, how many of you, now think about your experience, what it was. Why did you do it? Possibly to keep out of trouble. But who taught you how to do it? You know, did you have somebody come in and say, okay, we're going to have a lying class? And, you know, this is how you... No, that didn't happen. No. It was natural. It was easy to lie. Okay? That's the effect of law. That's the effect. Do what? <laughs> the, uh, the idea is that law proves to you that you're a sinner. Okay? Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not have God, other gods before me. Uh, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't steal. Don't do this. Don't covet. All these things. There's something on the inside. Of, well, I'll do that if I want to. All right? Okay, that proves to you're a sinner. Therefore, what's the next thing we try to do when we understand that we're a sinner? Well, I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to be good for God. I'm not going to do that stuff anymore. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit lying. I'm going to quit being proud. I'm going to quit being selfish. And about five minutes later, when you find out you can't do that, the law is having its work in you. It's proving to you that you're not righteous in your present state, but it will lead you to the source of righteousness, Jesus. So the law teaches us that we need a Savior greater than the law and ourselves. Amen? That's what he has taken all his time in Galatians 
to prove. So, when I realize I need to draw closer to God, then what do I need to do? Let's see. Make New Year's resolutions, right? Okay. No, that's law. How many of you make still, still in your life make New Year's resolutions? I found years ago they don't work <laughs> because it was me that was doing it. It was doing it. Okay? So it's natural to disobey. That's the nature of our sinful nature, the nature of our flesh. Okay? That which dominates us before Christ does. Okay. So, but God has a remedy to, to these sins and this sinful nature and sinful tendencies, but it is not the law. It is not mere willpower. Oh, well, I'm strong. I can do this. I can just give up this selfish habit over here. Yeah, right. Try it. Okay? We've all been there, done that. All right. Here's the, here's the clue. Here's the solution. It is the walk in the Spirit. That's right. Okay, if I decided that's south over there, you know, I don't like the south, I'm never going to walk south again. <laughs> you know what the best way to do that is? Always walk north. Okay? <laughs> you want to grow up spiritually? Don't make a bunch of vows. Don't walk in the flesh. Walk in the spirit. That's what it's talk, telling you to do. Walk in the spirit. Now, that's why we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Way back in Ezekiel, when that prophet was prophesying the new birth, he says, you will have <clears throat> a new spirit in my, God speaking, you will have a new spirit and my spirit within you. So our born-again experience takes the old spirit, buries it, puts a new spirit in us and the Holy Spirit to help out, to reveal to you, to teach you, to be the voice of God to you, to walk along beside, to encourage, to help, okay? Now that's happened to each one of us. The trick into making it more and more increased is rely more and more on the Holy Spirit, not on your strong will, not on laws, not on vows. Those are things that don't work because they're contrary to our nature. Okay, is this making sense? Hopefully. So, we can say, I'll never walk south again, I'm determined. I'll never do bad things again. I'm going to overcome my selfishness problem or my pride problem. Uh, so, Lord, I'm just never going never gonna to lie again. I'm going to quit doing this. I'm going to quit having evil thoughts in my mind. Uh, I've got the power. I've rebuked the devil and everything. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it God's way. And it lasts about five minutes. Okay? Now, that's not the cure for the problem. The cure for the problem is walk in the Spirit. And you will not fulfill the lusts, the walks of the flesh. Okay? Now, what I said a minute ago, 
we have access to the power of the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't come through my strong will. It doesn't come through soul power. It comes through repentance, grace, and faith. All right? So, how do we overcome the works of the flesh, our sinful condition, and get into the fruit or the produce that the Holy Spirit wants to bring? By repentance, grace, and faith. You know, repentance is more than something you just did 5, 10, or 20 years ago to get saved. Repentance is something we learn to walk in. It becomes a condition on the inside to where I know who God is and I know who I am. And I'm living in turning away from sin, from God, to walk in the spirit and not the flesh. Okay? That's a daily repentance. Okay? You know, we think, you know, well, I can judge myself that I, I... I haven't done this, I haven't done this, and I don't do this anymore, and so on like that. But, you know, repentance is bigger than just actions. It's a walk, walking in repentance, walking in grace. Grace is not just unmerited favor. Grace is, some of you heard this before, the enabling power of God. God says something. Have you ever noticed most of the things God tells you to do, you can't do anyway? Like love your enemies? Like forgive people who have hurt you? Okay, we think, I can't do that. Yeah, you can. By the grace, by the enabling power of God. Okay? So, in faith, remember this. Faith is a product of a relationship with God. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Faith is not something mental that I work up, all right? Faith on the inside, is the more you draw close to God, you'll find faith is there, okay? Now, so what's the trick here? Like I said, faith and all of that, these are products of God's salvation on the inside of us. If you ever hear somebody say, okay, I'm going to preach a sermon today on five easy steps to walk in the Holy Spirit, you'll know it's wrong (laughs) because it's not logical, all right? Okay? Spiritual stuff is not always logical. Once you do it, it becomes the most logical thing you ever did. But up until that time, it's trusting God, Believe in his word and obey and do it. Okay, so I'm going to give you some ideas on overcoming fleshly strongholds or walking in the spirit. Now, if you have a bulletin, you've got a page on there for sermon notes. So let me give you some ideas. Okay, hopefully now, and here's something about that I think the Lord would say to his church. Uh, Christianity is a growing process. It's not that we are growing in and that we have to do stuff until we're good enough to be saved. No, heaven is not your goal. It's your destiny. Okay? Now, that's a, a goal is something that I'm striving to get to. All right? Like I have a goal of building a house. All right? I've got to do this and I've got to do this. Okay? God has 
controls your destiny. You're going to heaven because you're a Christian, because you're in Christ. Okay? So, but what we are doing right now here on planet Earth in this time, we are in spiritual warfare. We're warring against this fleshly nature that wants to prohibit or inhibit our transformation into being like Jesus and the body growing up. And God knows that's a process. He didn't grow up from the day you were born. It took you a long time to grow up. You know, Maybe some of us are still growing up. I know I am. I'm still changing. All right? But the idea is that God doesn't want it to take 40 years for you to grow up to be 20. Okay? These are things that should be elementary for us. We shouldn't be asking the same questions for years and years and years and years and years. You know, about, well, how can I overcome this problem? How can I get closer to Jesus? Very plain and very obvious in Scripture. Walk in the Spirit. Okay, okay, next question would be, how do I do that? But then once I ask how do I do that and I learn, it is going to require a bit of discipline on my part. I'm going to have to want it, all right? God wants us to want him, okay? So I'm going to give you some pointers here, but you've got to do it. Amen? Now, is that mean? Hopefully, no. doesn't sound mean. Okay, <clears throat> if we don't, then we're just kind of saved and satisfied. Not saved and sanctified. Sanctified means set apart. And you don't lose your completion. Yeah. Okay, number one, implant God's word into your soul. Let me give you a scripture you can look up later. James 1.21, therefore putting aside all filthiness, and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. It's able to bring salvation to your mind, able to renew your mind. We need to let God's word come on the inside. The word is not just a book with pen and ink and pages. The word is a living thing. The, the Bible is just the best collection of truth all in one place, right? So let the word of God sink in. Let it get into your head. Now, what does that require on your part? You've got to want to do that. And after you want to do it, you've got to do it. After you want to do it, you've got to do it, which means take time to read the word, to study the word of God. Okay, I guarantee you whatever you're suffering from or having a problem with today, there's something in the Word that will address your problem. Yeah. The more of it you know, the better you are. All right, so let the Word get inside and run around in there, cleanse your brain, get your ideas straightened out. And <clears throat> habits, see, habits and sinful strongholds reside in the soul. God's powerful word dislodges them and cleanses any sin roots in there. It takes time. Doesn't mean, okay, I'm going to read Romans 6 and I'll be tonight and I'll be all right tomorrow. No. 
I went in in my own walk. I spent about two years every day reading Romans six, seven, and eight before I was convinced that it was true <laughs> by experiencing it. You are right with God through Jesus Christ. There's power in you to walk over and above all the things that cause you to sin. On and on and on. Okay, in, a, in this process, in planting God's word, learn to meditate on scripture. Here's a, one of the good, uh, good verse, Joshua 1.8. Don't have time to look it up, but look it up later. I'll read it to you. God speaking to Joshua says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all according to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. And when it says meditate, meditate, the Hebrew word means <clears throat> to think about. It can mean to mutter. It can mean to think and speak. And when it says to meditate day and night, that doesn't mean, okay, can never go to sleep again. doesn't mean that. It means in the good times and in the bad times. Right? Meditate on God's word when things are going great and meditate and think about God's word when they're not. Right? Let that be a new discipline, a new habit that is something that you're doing all the time. You, you ever, you realize that you can be talking to somebody and carrying on a conversation and have thoughts completely different, like a, something completely different going on on the inside. All right, all right good. That's, that's that inside of you that wants to, that hungers and thirsts for more of God's word and to meditate. Okay? Um, Here's number three. Picture yourself dead to sin and alive to righteousness. Okay. And here's a good scripture to go with that, which we're, another one we don't have time to look up. See Romans 6, particularly verses 8 through 14. Romans 6, 8 through 14. Whatever you may be struggling with in of these, in next week or before long we'll go into deeper explanation of what each one of these works of the flesh are and then contrary what the love what the love of God and the fruit of the spirit is but um, by faith I believe that I'm right with God okay think on that meditate on I am a, I am right with God through Jesus Christ not because I'm so good because I'm not so good because I'm so smart or whatever. Because Christ died for me and I was crucified with him on the cross. The scripture says that. Now, immediately your mind will come in. Uh, I don't understand that. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have to make sense. You're not appealing to your mind. You're getting it down in your spirit. In time, your mind will get changed because your spirit is changed. Okay? So... Envision your own victory over whatever sin you may be wrestling with. If you're wrestling with pride, selfishness, whatever it may be, God has given you a victory and power over that 
in the Holy Spirit, and you are to learn to walk in him. Think about it. These things have no longer power over me because I'm believing what God says about me. Okay? You'll find change will come that way. Okay, here's a very important one. Acknowledge your own sin and maybe the sins of your forefathers. Acknowledge your own sin. Write this scripture down, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay? Acknowledging my sin. Let's say I'm walking, uh, I may know that I uh, have a pride problem. I'm going to go and I'm going to find some scripture on pride, find out what God's opinion is about it, and then repent. And then repent. Okay? Lord, cleanse me of my pride. Lord, cleanse me of the tendency to be selfish. Con heal my anger problem, Lord. Maybe there's some people I need to forgive. Lord, forgive me for holding grudges against my mother. Lord, forgive me of that. Now, you don't end forgiveness by saying, I'll never do it again. No, because you, you're going to get back in law if you do that. Lord, by your power and your strength, Give me love for them. Give me forgiveness. Give me help. Show me how to humble myself. Teach me. Teach me, Holy Spirit. I'm relying on you. I'm walking with you, not the old dark ways. Okay, so you're picturing yourself dead to sin and alive to righteousness. Alive to... So you're going to envision your own victory over sin, and that is going to be gradually release the faith to grow. There's nothing, you know, in Christ that you won't be able to, to overcome. Walk in the Spirit as far as the sin problem. I read an article or on TV once a couple of days ago that uh, somebody said, and it just sounded almost outlandish to me, that uh, it was a, psych a psychiatrist in uh, Oklahoma that said that it, he, he estimated a third of people in Oklahoma have beginnings or advanced mental illness. Now, I'd, I would, I'd want to talk with him a little bit more about that, but at the same time, stress, and we talked about that, somebody, uh, Nick mentioned that a while ago, stress. There's so many things to get stressed out about in life more than your parents did when they were your age, all right? We are an over-complex society and world and culture, and we worry about everything instead of trusting God because we're overcome by the darkness. We're overcome by the too much stuff, all right? I've been very guilty of it. Ask God to show you how to rest in God. Lord, Forgive my trusting in myself to handle all these problems. Lord, teach me how to rest in you. God can take a lot of take care of a lot of things. Uh, 
when, when we're dressed. Okay. Um, another thing uh, you might put down is uh, establish accountability. This is where discipling comes in. We need to have someone that we can visit with. It doesn't mean that everybody opens up their private life to everybody that comes along. Okay, as a matter of fact, don't do that. But you need to pray that you'll find somebody, whether it's pastor, whether it's a friend, whether it's somebody that has, usually the, the best way to start out is somebody that's a little older than you are and has uh, been through some of the same stuff you're going through and they're still alive. <laughs> okay? But uh, not your person, you are uh, being accountable. That helps. You know, I can call, you know, I've got several people I can do that to. I lost my temper the other day. Or, you know, I'm feeling very selfish about this situation. Please pray for me. I'm really building up some unforgiveness and resentment towards this person or this thing over here. Being accountable, and whether that's daily or weekly or whatever, Hebrews 3.13 says, encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's powerful. Don't let sin, don't let anger go down on your, uh, the sun go down on your wrath. And then finally, and we could go hours and hours talking about this. This is just scratching the surface of walking in a spirit. Make no provision for the flesh. Romans 13 says, avoid snares, guard your thought life, okay? If you're having trouble with sexual lust, don't do the stuff that causes that to flare up, okay? If you are, have a problem with coveting, wanting somebody else's stuff, don't continue to think about it, okay? Do the best you can. And pray, talk to God. God, I can't do this. I need your power. I need your strength. And I trust you, Holy Spirit. Okay? All right. There's so much more of this that could be said. But uh, we need to be walking in the Spirit. We need to be relying on the Holy Spirit in our every step, in our thoughts, in our decisions in life. Depend more and more on God. Amen? Okay.